it's Wednesday, so you know what that means. I don't know what that means. Uh, we got uh, a special guest today, Carrie Smith, uh, the host of Deprogrammed and the founder of Civility Dinners. How's it going? It's going well. You had coffee downstairs. It's pretty good, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> I, actually, this is a, I brought this all the way from Georgetown. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Got it this morning? <laughs> yeah. Way. And then you sat at a, at a rival coffee shop and drank a product that you didn't buy there. I did. I, I enjoyed it also. Oof. You guys have a nice studio. Uh, yeah, it's all right. Those guys do all the work. I just kind of sit here and say weird shit. So it's a good deal for me. Uh, yeah. That flag actually came from near where you grew up. It's from uh, a, some dude in Greer, I believe. Oh, South Carolina. Yeah, right. my brother gave it to me. Um, right. <clears throat> so let's get right into it. Uh, you described yourself as a former or reformed social justice warrior. Uh, before we talk about the reform part, I, I want to talk about the foundation. What was it that got you into, I guess, activism or whatever in the first place oh into social justice yeah was there like one particular issue no it's actually i think it functions a lot like a cult Mm. and so you get you get into it by degrees and when i back when i got into it it was over 20 years ago at at duke university um i never encountered what years were not to date you or anything i'm just curious if you were there at the same time as tucker max because he was there like in the late 90s right yeah i was there in the late 90s i graduated in 2000 I think there might be some overlap. So you, you two I was are, in the women's studies dorm, so if he wasn't there, I probably didn't know him. I, I'm pretty sure that the guy who wrote I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell was not in the women's <laughs> studies dorm, unless he was there for uh, horrible purposes. Um, yeah, so anyways, continue. Well, I, you know, fortunately back then, it wasn't in kindergarten through 12th grade, so I didn't encounter it until college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way that, that it's operating today, now that, now that social justice has become so culturally dominant... I'm. I don't. I'm terrified for kids who are picking it up in uh, elementary school, because it took me 20 years to get out of it, and that was picking up later in life. But yeah. So the way the way that I got into it was sort of, uh, as I said, by degrees. It presents itself as liberalism, mm-hmm. and 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 it's almost it's a belief system. Although I, I didn't realize it at the time that it was a belief system, and it's sort of. Uh, I think it offers people a way of. A system of morality, mm-hmm. even though it's very <clears throat> hypocritical, it contradicts itself. But it's like this is the way to be in the right. world. The world is about different uh, groups of people who are divided by identity fighting for power, and we can make the world a better place if we understand these systems of oppression and we redistribute power according to people's We're, identity. So Marxism, then basically, cool. but about right. but about identity and power yeah. instead of class and wealth. I mean, it's just Marxism through the prism of Foucault, right? I mean, yeah, I I think um, I do often describe it that that way as sort of a, as other people do a marriage between postmodernism and Marxism. But there are some Marxists who get hung up on the fact that it's not about class, and they'll right, be yeah. like, "That's oh, not Marxism." I'm like, no, yeah. I, I get that. It's sort of mutated. It's right. it's something a little different. It's about power and identity. Mm-hmm. And but no, I got into it because what they kind of do is they're like, "Hey." Have you noticed, like, I went in through the feminism door. There's lots mm. of doors. There's the race door, the LGBT door, the fat door, uh, the, the mental health door. Is, is that uh, really people are getting activated because they want to protect the right of people to eat themselves to death? 
without without being scrutinized for it. That's, oh yes, they've that's since been sucked up into under the umbrella of social justice. <laughs> so you'll see, if, I'm, I'm sure you've seen online people talking about uh, fat positivity and oh yeah, and you're you're oppressed if you're if you're fat. And the danger with with pulling um, I think weight into it and pulling mental health into it is that you're now telling all these people who are buying into this belief system that being fat is part of their identity yeah. or, or having depression is part of their identity or having a personality disorder is part of their identity, mm. which means that they, they think of that's like who they are. Mm. So there's not an incentive to change those things. In fact, in fact, there's a disincentive to change it. Cause right. if you, you know, look at Lizzo, I think she got mobbed for posting a, picture of herself drinking a smoothie yeah it's uh internalized fat phobia is what is how yes. they would refer to <laughs> that's that that's what they'll call it yeah that is the dumbest shit i've ever heard in my life yeah um but yeah whatever but but yeah so i got pulled in through the <laughs> feminist org and basically they're like well have you ever experienced sexism and and you know well yeah I, i'm I, i'm sure i have a mm-hmm. few times and and then they kind of by degrees it's like okay well it sexism is in every interaction it's it's you need to put on these glasses, go out into the world, these glasses that help you find the sexism and everything and find the racism and everything. And so then you, you're, once you've accepted that one part of it, then they're like, you know, race is the same way. And by the way, we're going to redefine some words for you. They do that right up front. And I think that's really important because they sort of cut off your ability to think mm-hmm. by controlling the language, controlling what yeah. words you're allowed to say and what words mean. And so they'll tell you, you know, sexism and racism don't mean what you think they mean. Um, they mean prejudice plus power. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The con- confluence of prejudice and power. That's yeah. some, some kid from, uh, that I worked with in politics in Wisconsin, like back in 2012 said that to me. And I'm like, no, no, you may, you may be referring to systemic, the, the concept of systemic racism is what you're saying, but don't redefine words. Because you're, ca- you're creating an argument at that point that need not exist at all. You're exactly right. It's so fucking stupid. When anybody says that, if I ask them to define it, okay, <clears throat> will you give me your definition of racism? And, mm. and they, they're like, well, it's systemic. We have to redefine it because we're talking about systemic racism. I'm like, but there's already a term for systemic racism. It's systemic yeah. racism. Like yeah. what, what you're doing by changing the definition of racism to say that, that uh, it, it's dependent on a person's race, well, well then you're, you're basically saying it's impossible to be racist towards white people or mm. it's impossible to be sexist towards men or Jews now, by the yeah. way, cause they're white according to the left from la- that. This was what late 2020 when, uh, I, God damn it. I think it was the Washington post ran a story Are Jews now considered white people or something like that. Like, Oh boy. I mean, I guess they, they're doing the same thing with, with, with Asians. So, yeah. so they'll basically, they'll, again, it's <laughs> hypocritical and it's also, it's contradictory. Like they'll claim Asians as people of color when mm. it suits their purposes, but then when it doesn't suit their purposes, when it comes to things like test scores and, and meritocracy and admission rates to universities, then they'll say, well, Asians are white adjacent. They benefit from white privilege. <laughs> what is uh, white adjacent? <laughs> Exactly. Does anybody? Nobody knows. I think it's a off-white, kind of like a like a like a wall like color. Eggshell? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. My cabinets are white adjacent. <laughs> mm, I understand. Uh, that's weird. Probably racist. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, this is I, some. Sometimes it is really funny. Like when yeah. when Larry Elder was called the black face of white supremacy. That's one of the yes. funniest things I've ever. Because it <clears throat> somebody should do an analysis just on that sentence and the what what's necessary for the person to believe to have said it 
just yeah. unpack that whole statement because it's really fucking funny oh, to yeah. me. Don't- I mean, it's stupid, but it's like you have to believe that <clears throat> that whiteness isn't. It has nothing to do with your nationality or race or culture or any of that shit. It's whether or not you're on the right side of history. You know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. we have a word for that already. It's, it's authoritarianism, right? Yeah. Like you don't need the, 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 the march towards trying to conflate whiteness with authoritarianism. That was the point, right? They could have just said authoritarianism, we're against this and this and this, and everybody would have agreed. Mm-hmm. But it's not a wedge issue at that point. Like there's no, if you say something that everybody agrees with, Nothing really happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you don't continue to get charity donations that you can buy houses with. Yeah. Well, they're just using, they use race. They use, they use all these different categories of identity to hide what they're really about, which is, <clears throat> that's what you just pointed out is they'll race in the end doesn't actually matter to them. Mm-hmm. It's a tool. So if a black person doesn't agree with the ideology, but a white person does, they're going to let the white person speak. They don't even follow their own rules when they're like, you know, white people need to shut up and, and sit down and listen. Well, they don't mean that. If you're a white person who speaks the beliefs, you can continue to speak. But if you're a black person like Terrence K. Williams or, or Candace Owens or Larry Elder who doesn't speak the belief system, then they want you to shut up. Yeah, it's really interesting. And now you're starting to see a lot of it from <clears throat> the, uh, the gender thing as well. Yes. Uh, I don't remember who it was fuck people maybe or slate or atlantic it was it was some not like major newspaper but a a pretty serious publication ran a story about how trans women can teach women about femininity right (laughs) uh first of all trans woman that's not a thing in my opinion Mm -hmm. that's that's not a thing that's a dude like i I'm, i'm tired of participating in everybody's fucking delusions frankly uh i i know people have (coughs) excuse me mixed feelings on this but if i keep hearing phrases like biological male or female penis like i'm just as soon as somebody says that then i'm not listening to anything else they have to say frankly because i think that's fucking stupid well what they've done is again they they kind of go in and they seize on these different categories of identity Mm. they claim that group as their own they claim to speak for that group and in the case of trans people it's like Historically, there's been a small percentage of one, like a fraction of 1% of people who've, who've grappled with gender dysphoria mm-hmm. and feeling like they are so-called trapped in the wrong body. Right. And it's, it's, it's been like, what, like 0.2, It's something very mm-hmm. small. They've now exploded that into, I think, I think the last stat I read was there's been a 4,000% increase mm-hmm. in the number of young people who are identifying as trans. Well, you, br- you broaden the definition, right? Yes. And then it's a bigger bucket of people to yes. fight against whatever you're trying to fight And against. if you talk to any of those OG trans people, they're not on board with this shit. No. Like, they're like, this is bad for me because yeah. now everybody, and I've seen it, they're like getting lumped in with all of these trans trenders and, yeah. and with the people who want to trans kids. And push it, you know, in kindergarten. And it's like, you know, I, I interviewed Buck Angel once. Do you know mm-hmm. who he is? Um, I do call him he. I, I basically, for me, I determine if I use a person's preferred pronouns or not. Um, it's based on whether or not I think they're trying to force me to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, it's based on what comes naturally to me if they've successfully are passing. And it just in my brain says mm-hmm. he. When I look at Buck, I say he. 
Um, and it also has to do with uh, whether or not they're making up words. I don't use they or them or any of those yeah, Z yeah. and Zer and right, all that yeah. stuff. But um, I interviewed Buck, and they call him Trampa. He was like the first person in mm. California who, a biological woman, I know what you just said, but woman who became, uh, decided to live as a man and went through gender reassignment surgery, was the first person in California to do that. And he's one of the loudest voices against all of this trans training mm-hmm. and against trans and kids because he's like, I'm getting lumped in, mm-hmm. and I don't want to speak for him, but but they're getting lumped in with this huge explosion in, um, honestly, I think a lot of it is, is um, a social contagion. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. It's sort of like, do you remember, I don't want to age you, but do you remember the... Uh, the explosion in anorexia and cutting and all that stuff in the in the nineties and the aughts it yep. became a big thing. This is what's happening with kids now. Is it's sort of everybody and their friends? It's like oh, and I'm trans and that person's trans and gender queer <clears throat> and we're all right. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a pretty effective strategy. You don't necessarily have to convince anybody of ever, anything you just start redefining terms right like you, you talked about morality earlier uh with the in the absence of organized religion that's happened through our generation yeah. specifically and then forward <clears throat> we didn't find a suitable replacement for that and these fucking vultures took advantage oh, that's yeah. what happens it's a power vacuum and i don't that to, that's not an advertisement for organized religion by the way i don't give a fuck about any of that stuff but people need purpose and principles to guide their lives, right? You need guardrails in life, a purpose. If, I, you, if, you're, if, you, if you're going nowhere, you're going to fucking get there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you don't have a fucking map or some shit, you're just going to wander. And maybe that's who you want to be. Good luck. But you're very susceptible to bad ideas. Are you a believer in God? No. Um, but I don't really, <clears throat> I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about it either. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's... Um, <laughs> Do you I, live I, by some of the Christian uh, principles, even though you're not a believer, would you say? Um, Christian or, or Jewish. Or do you have guide, guide rails that you live by? That uh, Sure. I mean, like, I, I think uh, basic shit, like you would have learned in the fucking Boy Scouts, do, like, the golden rule mm-hmm. has existed in every major religion in human history. Um, <clears throat> and leave things better than you found it. You know what I mean? Put others before yourself, shit like that. I, that yes. Th- those are the only things that I really take out of religion. Yeah. Although there's some pretty interesting stories. I think the stories in religion are really good at unpacking why people believe what they think yeah. or what they believe. And then, uh, you know, that allows for a lot of criticism, which is good because you can refine beliefs with criticism. Um, so I do study it quite a bit. I actually went to school for religion back in the day. Oh, wow. But... Did you have you ever heard? Uh, well, speaking of the stories being good at, at unpacking mm. things, have you ever heard Jordan Peterson talk about the Cain and Abel story? Um, I don't know if I've heard that one specifically, but I've heard some of his biblical lectures. So that's really interesting because, and that was one of the things when people always ask, like, how did you leave social justice? And it's like getting into a cult takes a long time; it's by degrees, and mm. so does leaving one. But that lecture. There's an old uh, YouTube video, I think it's from the 80s, he did a lecture called uh, Tragedy Versus Evil. Mm. And in it he said, the Cain and Abel story, even if you don't believe in God, the Cain and Abel story is a good allegory for how to be in the world. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, it's, you basically got these two characters. You've got Cain, who behaves in a very resentful way, is arrogant, doesn't make the necessary sacrifices mm. to get what he wants. 
And it ultimately leads to this resentment, envy, jealousy, so and like rage. A, he's like a modern Instagram influencer. <laughs> yeah, he's like a modern SJW. He's like, yeah. why not me, God? Yeah. Why Abel? And then <clears throat> Abel lives with gratitude, humility, mm. makes the sacrifices. And that stuck with me. Like yeah. that, I because I started thinking about all my choices every day and my ideology, social justice mm. on a big scale. It's, so much of it is based in entitlement, resentment, mm. all those things. It's like, what am I owed? What's everybody else getting instead of me? Yeah. Um, Always yeah. seeing the negative and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's life's not fair. Yeah. Sorry. I, I hate to break it to anybody in the audience out there, but life is just not ever going to be fair. And it also, the Cain and Abel story, the thing that I always took from it is that it matters what you value. You know what I mean? Like, if you value uh, taking care of the people around you, that will show in every single action you make. And if you value hoarding things for yourself, same, right? And people yeah. will eventually figure you out. And I think a lot of people like yourself are leaving this stupid bullshit. Uh, it, it seems like the only people that are getting converted towards woke now are children, uh, which is, you know, that's how it kind of works. Actually, I would disagree on that only because I'm in a lot of social justice groups on Facebook just to kind of keep tabs on mm-hmm. what they're talking about and doing. There's a lot of uh, boomer white women who are just now getting pulled yeah, into it. Yeah, that's a good and, point, yeah. That happens. And they're pulling, some of them pull their husbands into it. I think that's... Like a m- browbeaten kind of situation? Or like, yeah. they, are they actually... And, like, and why would they care? Right? Is it just like a reorganization reorganiz- of, of classic principles? Like, oh, to be a good person now, it's this set of things I have yeah. to do. Yeah, well, think about it. So you were talking about organized religion and mm-hmm. and the and sort of the death of... Christianity, mm-hmm. it it used to be that Christianity was the the cultural norm, mm-hmm. and that was the way that you showed that you were a good person. And so you have all these. I've just now started realizing. Oh, okay, so the same thing that's happening in woke right now, where you have all these virtue signalers and people who are not sincere believers, but now that's become <coughs> culturally the norm and dominant. Mm-hmm everybody's getting into it. Everybody's putting the black square on their profile and everybody's doing the things like what's the current thing. Right. And they're all showing that they're part of this, uh, very in vogue belief system, especially in Los Angeles where I used to live in certain, certain pockets Mm. of the country. But it used to be that way with Christianity. And I I think that's just like human nature is you're going to get sincere believers and then you're going to get, um, People who are just going with the flow and trying to show their neighbors that they're they're good people, and then you're going to get um, a lot of wolves in shepherds' clothing in any ideology. Mm-hmm. So in Christianity, you know, you'd have the televangelists, the people who are who are in it for money, fame, power, all that stuff. You got those in woke too. Mm-hmm. You got like the Robin DeAngelos and the Ibram X Kendis, yeah. and they're making a good buck on it. And BLM but, as an entire yes. organization, yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, there are also quite a few uh, fractures in American in the American Christian landscape over the years, right? Like, the, de- depending on what people valued, some people are like testing God's faith by handling snakes and shit, or testing God's uh, power or whatever. The oh, fuck. you mean literally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's oh, uh, snake handlers. Yeah. Okay, you Church of God people. I'm sure you grew up around some of them. There's a bunch in the southeast. Um, <clears throat> Then there's televangelists, like you said. There are these uh, uh, persistent revivalist people mm-hmm. that are. And then there's, uh, you know, when I was growing up, it was <clears throat> in, in churches and stuff. 
it's really interesting because some people had this idea that the image of a Christian person was that they didn't drink, smoke, or swear, mm. right? Uh, I don't know yeah. what the fuck that's got to do with anything. Yeah. Right? And I, it always reminded me of this anecdote. It was uh, <clears throat> J.R.R. Tolkien and, and uh, C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis went to J.R.R. Tolkien's house, both Christian dudes, right? And uh, Lewis is smoking a cigar on the porch, knocking on the door, and he opens the door. And uh, <clears throat> Tolkien's holding a glass of whiskey, and he drinks some of it. And he goes, hey, welcome in. And he goes, how can you be a Christian and drink that? And he looks at C.S. Lewis, well, how can you be a Christian and smoke that? And they both laughed and went inside and had a conversation. It's just yeah. weird how we fucking oh, decide well, to value these things. There's a Bible verse about that, and I'm going to mangle it, because I'm a, I'm a pretty new Christian, and I almost want to do a series called Christianity for Dummies, where you mm. just are trying, like a drunk history, where you're trying to explain Bible verses, but you don't. But there's one Bible verse about that. It's, a, it's basically like... It's something about how some of your brothers will eat meat and some won't. Mm. And it, it, it's sort of about, like, not everybody is tempted by the same things. Not everybody mm. needs to be. And, and there's verses in there also about wine. You know, Jesus turned water into <laughs> wine. People drank. Mm-hmm. But then there are verses about those who can't. I can't. Like, I know that about me. But it doesn't bother me if you drink. Right. You know? Yeah, it's weird. It's just, it's, it really comes back to what people... What what you choose to value, and now it seems like uh, I feel like what you choose to value becomes the absolute core of your identity, regardless mm-hmm. of what it is. So if you value helping other people, that becomes the core of your identity. If you value the social currency you get from being from victimhood or from exposure, whatever it is, right? Even whether it's fame or fame for not a great reason, that also becomes the core part of your character. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> really important for a young person to make good decisions about what they value. And we're, we're really fucking them over right now. Here's the, here's the one problem with that though, it, that I, I saw this play out. A lot of people in social justice think that they value helping other people. Oh yeah. That's why they're in it. Well, that's the same thing with Marxism. These people, they don't fucking love poor people. They hate rich people. Yeah. That's the problem. It's all based, like you said, in resentment. The, the entire ideology, is ba- it's, it's rooted in resentment. Because mm-hmm. you don't see hyper-successful people getting involved in this. Like, they'll, they'll donate their money and social media to it, but actually doing something, they don't ever do any of this stuff. The people that are rioting are kids that never experienced life before, for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. Like 19-year-old white kids yeah. in the Pacific Northwest who have never faced any real challenge in their life. I, could, I, I think they have oppression FOMO. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. It's like the it's the only it's the only social currency that really matters anymore. Yeah. Like if you were, <clears throat> who who's the most charitable person in the country? Who does the most for charity? In this well, country? Beto, he gives himself. <clears throat> yeah, I'm right. kidding. Like for real, you <laughs> we, uh, we we could not make a list of ten names of the most charitable, helpful people in this country right now. Dolly Parton does a lot. That's one. Yeah, that's the only one. But I we can. couldn't make a list. Like you couldn't sit down and make a legit list of that because. No one gives a fuck about that stuff. No one cares. And may- maybe that's just the human condition that people don't care about solutions. They only care about treatment for things, right? Because a- anytime somebody at a lower class level or whatever, whatever the cast happens to be will have an idea, you know what, I think we can solve this problem by doing this. Now they have to get powerful and or rich people involved and they have motive, right? That's a different situation. It happens in business all the time. You see it happen in business. And that's what makes this 
shit with Elon Musk and Twitter so interesting to me because mm-hmm. he definitely has motive, right? Like I th- I'm pretty sure they signed a deal today to use Twitter's uh, data to help process Tesla's AI engines and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So he, this is not about free speech absolutism, clearly, because he fucking does uh, as much business with China as he does with America. And those people are horrible human beings, the mm-hmm. Chinese government. But he doesn't need help from anybody. Like, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. It's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. I think we're all going to be hunted by robot dogs within the next five years, probably. Oh, yeah. You've seen those in Singapore? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun. You think things are going to get worse before they get better? Uh, I don't think things are going to get better. Oh. I think they will. I just think it's going to get really dark first. Maybe. Uh, I, don't, I don't see any evidence that things would get better. I mean, other than just history, things tend to normalize. Mm-hmm. But 99.9997% of all species that have ever existed are now gone from the planet, right? And we're just another one of them. Have you heard of this book, <clears throat> The Fourth Turning? Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. It's a, it's about, it's sort of a, these two historians. They said, "Hey, you can look at time. Um, we we've gotten to where we kind of look at it just linear now, mm-hmm. but humans used to look at time as cyclical, and we still do in some ways. Like we restart the calendar every year, mm-hmm. and you know we restart an hour every sixty minutes. And but they were like, you can look at the course of history as cyclical as well. And they and their hypothesis of the book is basically that you're sort of in this hundred to hundred and twenty year cycle." And they divide the cycle into four pieces. And so they wrote this book in 96. And they said, we're about to enter the fourth turning. Mm. And after the fourth turning, though, then comes renewal again. If you were buy into their hypothesis. But I'll read it. I mean, that sounds interesting to me. It, I, I feel like uh, technology has changed things quite a bit. AI specifically has changed mm-hmm. things quite a bit. We keep making this dystopian films and writing dystopian books about technology and how it's going to fuck us up and then we can and instead of using that as a warning they're like oh that's a good idea let's do that the fuck is wrong with you man um i'm gonna can i jump in there one second yeah have you heard of mark mark anderson he's one of the board members of facebook talk about Mm -hmm. metaverse Mm -mm. so one of the most interesting things that and scary things he was saying is he was he was using social justice language to talk about why metaverse is necessarily a good thing he he said he said uh most people don't live with reality privilege okay there's only a select few of the elite who have reality privilege and and enough wealth and resources and power and to to be able to have the best looking mates Mm -hmm. and the best jobs and whatever and so metaverse is basically we're helping all you poor plebs to have this better digital world this this virtual reality because you don't have reality privilege and he called the real world meat verse <laughs> doesn't that sound a lot like soma yes the drug yes jesus fucking christ man uh that's really dumb but he yeah you can tell how these people think they're just saying shit out loud now yeah the these meetings in davos at the world economic forum and people talking about the metaverse and shit it's like all right cool so you're just a digital feudalist then that's what we're gonna do sweet Oh, yeah. you, you reduce the world to the digital world, ultimately, and then you are the one that controls the digital world. So you didn't have to take over the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? You created your own public sphere, and then people were forced into it. People it's a, it's a whole. In. It's a, that, that's a different kind of situation. It's like herding cattle. You know what I mean? Like you don't necessarily have to own the land where you find them. You just have to put them in a pen somewhere, and then they belong to you. Oh, yeah. Um, and if you don't feel like a, like you're, part of a herd right now 
you should pay more attention probably Mm -hmm. because you definitely are. Um, I want to get back into this woke bullshit. Uh, It's so like ubiquitously annoying how uh, I find it hard to address these drones individually. Mm. You know what I mean? Because they're so, it's just like the same responses over and over. But I do realize that in a lot of cases, if not most cases, it comes from some kind of good place, right? A lot of it are kids that are misled by adults or people who they, they've missed the point entirely. They think that <clears throat> like victimhood and notoriety of activism is the point instead of the result of the activism itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the point was to put the fire out, not to get a, a badge for it or to say I'm against fire and get a yeah. badge for that. Especially they think victimhood and is, is like the ultimate social currency. But if you applied that logic, I guess this is fat phobic. If you applied, applied that logic to eating, you'd only get, you'd only eat things that gave you that dopamine hit, oh, yeah. like sugar basically. And you would be a fat dummy with diabetes yeah. immediately. Like it, in every other area of our life, this would be a completely self-destructive behavior. And it clearly is, it is. socially as well. And nobody seems to have on like, where are all the activists who really care about poverty. I mean, Michael Schellenberg was one of them. But where are the, where's the, like the, the, the groups of activists who really care about the human condition, who care about poverty, who care about you know, stopping wars and blah, blah, blah? Where are they? They're, um, well, here in Austin, uh, Community First. Have you been there? Um, I don't think so. So this is a group of Christian. It's, a, a, it's privately funded, mostly through, I think, different churches. And they've created this community for the homeless where I think I went on a tour there a couple years ago. And at the time, anyway, they had maybe 100 to 200 beds. And it's all like tiny houses and mobile homes. And they're really trying to get people um, to integrate back into the community, not Mm. just giving them resources. They have to pay a meager rent, they mm. have, so they have to have some kind of job. So there's this is Schellenberger's model. Like he, oh really? Yeah, he like it's it's housing first with conditions. Yes. Like you you have to responsibility. You have to pass drug tests. You have to get a job. Blah blah blah. And then the housing. You like you're staying in the housing is is based on whether or not you fulfill yeah. these things, which so is a good have, thing. Like people think that might sound cruel or something. Like no, you're retraining somebody how to live as a human being. Yeah, you're you loving I mean? them. Yeah. And that's loving looks like boundaries sometimes, or it looks like responsibility. And, and yeah, I think they're doing a great job because they have, um, a a certain percentage of the people who live there are not homeless. They're, Mm -hmm. they're people who are part of the charity and, and they have concerts and stuff. Mm -hmm. You can go, they're trying to really integrate, like I said, people back into the community. So they bring Mm -hmm. the community to them. And, um, I know when I was there, they said that uh, San, San Francisco had just sent some government officials to come and take a tour and see if they could learn something. And well, they're not going to learn anything because that's the government. Yeah. I don't think the government can do this. I no. think it's up to private charities and yeah, for if, sure. they, if they get it right. But then there's also a lot of charities that, that are just sort of operating as what, what do they call it? The nonprofit industrial complex where yeah, yeah. they're just making money for themselves. Yeah. Like Bono. Um, I think he gives, what was it, 1% of the money he raises through his charity actually goes to the causes? Well, the, the legal amount required is 2%. Oh, okay. That's, but that's Somebody it. should look that up and check me, but it was something crazy. I'm sure it's, it's not, <laughs> he's not a great 
person. I think South Park did a bit on that back in the day. Um, but it's, you know, it, it seems like the prioritization, and it's what I come back to a lot in this conversation, what you value is the dopamine hit, right? Yeah. Like this being part of the social in-group, especially when it's moralized like that. And if you're, it, this, this goes for food or exercise or drugs, alcohol, whatever, life in general. If you're constantly chasing a dopamine hit instead of the actual purpose, you're not an activist, you're an addict, mm-hmm. right? You are, you, you are like physically, chemically addicted to the dopamine hit that you get from having the Ukrainian flag in your fucking bio. It's stupid. It's uh, like in the Bible. It's the Pharisees who stand on street corners mm. so that they may be seen praying. Yeah. If your motivation <laughs> is to be seen doing it, and not that public prayer or a public announcement of whatever your beliefs are is bad. Mm. It's just if your motivation to do that is to be seen doing mm. it, is to get that, uh, th- that virtue signaling yeah. credit, to get that dopamine <laughs> rush that you're talking about, then that's what, that's what the... It's like I, I kind of think of the Pharisees in the Bible as the OG virtue signalers. Mm. They're like putting the black square in the profile. Yeah, you know. What do you What do you think it was for you? The dopamine hit was it like being part of the in group, not feeling like a bad person, or feeling like a good person, or uh, being on the right side of history, or something else? Like it was, it was being on the right side of history. I really sincerely believed that the. <laughs> I know it sounds silly when you get out of it, but I really believe that it was about ending oppression and ending racism and ending sexism. And the further you get into it, though, the more of these new definitions they want you to accept, the more words you can't use. Um, I, I I didn't realize over time, it's like a cult. I, mm. I read a lot about cults now trying to understand it because they cut off, if, if, you, if your brain's like, Sometimes I picture like a, a a mouse in a maze and it's got all these different avenues. They cut off all the avenues. There's just one path. You can't interact with these people. You can't read these sources. You can't watch these lectures, but they tell you what to think about all those things. Yeah. And I didn't even realize a lot of my opinions were not my own. It wasn't until I heard Peterson, among others, talking about received opinions and stuff that I, I started thinking about all the things I thought I believed. And I'm like, have I actually done the work? to hold that opinion. Mm. No, I thought a, a good example, Ben Shapiro or Steven Crowder. I was like, these guys are right wing misogynists, or whatever. I had mm. never listened to them. I just thought I knew. And, and I think a lot of people do that. And the further you, you get away from that. I mean, it, it takes like being able to say, well, I don't know enough about that topic to have an opinion. And I don't see that enough on social media, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, admit that now even when it makes me look stupid because it's the truth it's like if if people want to talk about climate change i'm like i don't know I, and i honestly there's so many things on my list that i want to read about now and figure out my opinion on and that's kind of at the bottom <laughs> so i don't know if i'll ever yeah. have an opinion on it uh schellenberger's got a good book about that about climate alarmists oh yeah yeah it's good the only thing i do have an opinion on is i think that i think the government will use anything to gain more power oh yeah yeah <laughs> For, for sure. No, never let a good tragedy go to waste. Yeah. Right. Uh, so. <clears throat> but there, there are a lot of, I think, well-intentioned people in it. And you said, you said a lot or maybe most. I don't know if it's most. Now that it's become so popular, I think there's a lot of people in it with bad intentions. And they're just um, doing what you're talking about, getting the dopamine hit, getting, mm. showing that they're part of the tribe, showing that they're good people. And they're not really. So, so I used to work in, and when I, when I graduated, I, I've, 
moved into entertainment. So mm. I worked with a lot of comedians. I produced a television show called Totally Biased, which was mm. one of the wokest comedy shows. I thought we were doing Is such great Kamal work. Is that Bell? Yes. <laughs> and he's, he's terrible. He's gone more woke. I, it's weird. Um, there were these different inflection points or sort of acceleration points that have happened. One of them was the 2016 election. That's when mm. I started waking up. Another was George Floyd. Um, and, and when these things happen, I think it's caused some people like myself to start seeing things we couldn't see before because it's accelerated. And so in 2016, I started seeing things I had been blind to. Um, I saw videos on YouTube of people on my side, social justice leftists, like attacking Trump supporters, mm. physically <clears throat> bloodying people. And, and, I, and that started, that was like a crack in my foundation of beliefs. Cause I didn't think that was happening. Right. But then what it did for other people like him is they just doubled de- They've gone so far into it now. Right. Well, I mean, if you, uh, if you're a true believer, then, then it's just, a uh, uh, constant, cycle of confirmation bias like you have to recreate reality to fit your fucking narrative regardless of what happens like a, a black man can be the black face of white supremacy for example you can you can say ridiculous things that have nothing to do with reality whatsoever like all the gender talk and all this stuff <clears throat> because your point has to be right that's the point we have to do whatever we can to make sure that this is right not make sure we have the right answer Right. Like being right is more important than finding the right answer. That's a, that's a big problem. It's not very Socratic. Right. But some of those things are so odd. Like you're talking, they're so, uh, it's a confrontation of reality right in your face. And, and I guess, I guess people have different, uh, what James Lindsay calls woke breaking points. Cause yeah. for me it was 2016, but I know others who've woken up since then. It, that didn't, that didn't, that didn't wake them up. It was, uh, it was, you know, <laughs> once it became really popular in the past couple of years, they started mm-hmm. to wake up. I'm really interested in what that point is for certain people. It's like, when did you start to see that reality doesn't match mm. what my <clears> beliefs <throat> are? But, but part of that, and I'm, I'm talking a lot, so if, if I say this, part of that is I think leaving it is so hard because we were talking about with identity. Mm-hmm. People have their whole identity invested in it. Yeah. This is who I am. My beliefs are, are who mm-hmm. I am, which is false. Your beliefs mm-hmm. are not who you are. No. And, if we, and I think we have to help people understand, like, you're not your ideas. It, it, if we want them to leave a bad mm-hmm. belief system, they have to first <clears throat> separate them from those beliefs as being who they are. Right. Nobody will fight harder to preserve a lie than somebody that's wasting their life believing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, yeah. That's an absolute fact. Um, and it used to be people were on this sort of cycle. So Churchill famously said, a young conservative has no heart and an old liberal has no brain, right? Uh, this is a lot like this whole woke shit is, is almost mirrored in the <clears throat> conservative versus liberal war that's mm-hmm. going on in America, which is in no way conservative and in no way liberal. I agree. You know what I mean? It's just that the, the reality of what these words mean and what these ideologies are have been obfuscated so much by all of this fucking nonsense that nobody knows what's going on. We haven't had a real conservative uh, government in place since maybe Nixon, but probably Eisenhower, right? Like the uh, Reagan raised taxes, got us into wars, blah, blah, blah. George H.W. Bush was okay, I guess, but George W. Bush presided over the largest expansion of federal government history. So we don't have two... <clears throat> differing sides with the same goal, arguing the merits of their individual ideologies anymore. We just have crazy assholes yeah. that are hungry for power, right? And whatever the thing is for their side, 
or whatever the, the, they're for it, regardless of reality. And whatever the thing is for the other side, they're against it, regardless yeah. of reality. That is not a conversation that's happening in good faith. Yeah. And this, this woke bullshit is not happening in good faith. It's really important that young people who are motivated and looser in their belief systems process all the new information for the new reality we're in. And older people who are wiser and more informed put that through a filter and make it into policy that helps everybody out. And that system continues, right? Mm. But we don't have that anymore. Like you said, these older white women are getting captured by wokeness. That's fucking bad. You know what I mean? Like if your system <clears throat> is dependent on that turnover, it's like planting the same crop in the same field over and over and over again. At some point, the fucking minerals are exhausted. And I think we're at that point in America. No, like if there's a lot of people on the right worry about like armed conflict and stuff after all the violence from the left in the last couple of years. What would that even look like? What, what are, what's the demarcation line between one side and the other? I have no idea. Who would fight on whose side if there was a civil war in America? I have, I, there's no fucking way. It's not geographically yeah. because these cities and each one of these places are going to fucking be left and the rest is going to be right, typically. So what is it? I have no idea. Like we, we don't have, we're not playing a real game here. Yeah. So I don't know. That, that's why I'm not very hopeful. Well, you're here in Texas. Are you um, familiar with the Texas movement? Yeah, I think Texas should secede immediately. Yeah. I also think that people there should be a nationwide tax strike until my money stops gets getting spent on blowing up brown people, right? Mm -hmm. Wherever we fucking feel like doing it, and for whatever justification, or giving <clears throat> money to Ukraine to fight their war. You fight your own fucking war, dude. We're tired of this shit. We're giving $90 billion worth of shit to the Taliban, for example. Like you, if it was a kid, it's your teenager, and you left him at home for the weekend, the government of America has burned the house down, right? They have exhausted all trust we should ever have in them yeah. again. Um, so, yeah, I, th I don't think, I don't know why people get so romantic about the United States. Like, it's, it's the principles that matter. I agree. In my opinion. Not, like, I, I enjoy this flag. I think it looks great. but. The Texas flag is just like that little corner right there. Yeah. The, so the old one, the blue. It's just the, the one star in the bottom. And then yeah. I think that's pretty dope. I think we should get back to that. You should talk to Daniel Miller sometime. He wrote the, he wrote the book Texas, and he, he was running for a lieutenant governor. Um, and I, I think he's, I don't know, I think he's brilliant. He changed my mind on a lot of things. I didn't think secession or you know, exiting the union was something that was possible mm. until I talked to him and, and it's a growing, you know, statistically like the, the numbers he was talking about and the ones he put in his, his book, it's a, it's a growing cultural movement. There's a lot of uh, Latino people in Texas who support it. Yeah, I bet. I mean, they're seeing all of their hard work to build their communities and go through the correct legal process to get here or having been here for generations now get wiped out by just a complete open border policy. That's got to suck, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, kind of, it's almost like you went to uh, school and even graduate school and paid for all your shit and now all these fucking losers with liberal arts degrees are begging to get their fucking shit paid for. Kind of, probably kind of feels like that, right? Yeah. Like, Isn't that happening? Yes. Well, they're, 
All right, Kerry, give me a sec. Let me do some ads right quick. Uh, first and foremost is GhostBed right now. GhostBed is offering 40% off GhostBed bundles where you get the mattress and you get the adjustable base. Uh, anything else you add to that order, also 40% off the entire thing. The adjustable base is awesome. Go into book mode, uh, vibrates, got lights on it. It's got a place to plug in your phone. Uh, or if you don't need that, if you just need a mattress, or you just need sheets or pillows or a mattress cover or mattress protector or a weighted blanket, any of that stuff, 30% off everything if you use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. Get a mattress for like 35 bucks a month. Uh, they get the zero down, 0% financing plan for up to 60 months if you qualify. So go check out those deals at ghostbed.com forward slash drinker bros next up lucy you probably saw it on our uh instagram page earlier with the picture that ridiculous picture of my dogs luke we're all adults here and i know some of us choose to use nicotine to relax focus or just unwind after a long day it's a very popular nootropic uh, lucy is a modern oral nicotine company that makes nicotine gum lozenges and pouches for adults who are looking for the best, most responsible way to consume their nicotine. You know, we've, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's really interesting to talk, to think about the, the way this has all progressed, you know, from the natives consuming uh, nicotine to the way that it became kind of a problem in America. And now the way that you're starting to really experience it again uh, without the risk associated, it's really good, right? It's a nootropic that's super helpful in, in focus uh, and relaxation, as we all know. So if you enjoy using nicotine, you should definitely check out Lucy's products at lucy.co. That's L-U-C-Y dot C-O. And use the promo code AMERICAN at checkout. I also have to read this, this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. If you're interested in a better way to use nicotine, more responsible way, visit lucy.co. And be sure to use that promo code American. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't think it'll actually happen. I think Biden, anytime they get in too much trouble, they float like, hey, we're, actually, we're seriously discussing this. But yeah. they, they have, there's no fucking way. Yeah. Like, they're going to get hammered in November this year regardless. If they did that, it would be way worse. You think they are? I have, I have no idea about politics. Yeah. But... <laughs> it's going to be rough. I mean, so one of the inflection points, as uh, Lindsay likes to call it, <clears throat> is the groomer shit with kids, right? Mm-hmm. So we saw it in Virginia, and it wasn't even about the sexuality part. It was just about the race part, the CRT part, with uh, uh, Youngkin winning um, a, a race that he had no business winning. And I don't mean he's not qualified for it. I mean, that's a pretty solidly blue area. Um, man. I think, it's, I think it was the kids. I think a lot of these woke white ladies are unwoking really fast because people are fucking with their kids mm-hmm. and th- that's probably why people like buck and others are so fucking pissed off about getting lumped in with all these dum-dums because <laughs> that's the one that's literally the one place you can't go yeah of, of all the things you might try to do uh uh you come after people's kids and you activate fucking all these crazy soccer mom bulldog people that are they, they don't give a fuck about you they'll fight you in the parking lot you know what I mean? It's this crazy shit. It's why would you pick a fight with them? You had them. Why? Why now? It doesn't make sense to me. Well, I think it's a lot of the normies who, uh, 
I love normies. Mm. They have they they're living life. They have jobs. They are providing for their kids, but they're they're becoming aware of everything that's going on. And I just talked to two parents in uh, Grapevine Colleyville School District here in Texas. They have an election happening right now. I'll mention that if anyone happens to be there. It's a school board election, and these parents are motivated. They're organized. They have put together a whole packet of not just the CRT in the classroom, in the teacher trainings, explicitly mm. called CRT in the teacher trainings, <laughs> but also the sexually explicit material that's mm. in the classroom, material that's so explicit they can't even go to board, they can't even go to um, school board meetings and read from it. They get told it's inappropriate to to read, but oh, but it's okay for my ninth grader to read that and have to do a report on it as part of the enforced curriculum. So, I think it's a lot of grassroots normie parents who are waking up and I, I don't pay much attention I guess to national politics anymore but I I think these local elections are really important yeah for sure I mean the local elections are always the most important in my opinion uh, it seems like there are levels like you were saying to this ideology like like Dante's Inferno or some shit yeah. you know what I mean uh, and there's some gravity to it. Like some people dabble in it a little bit. I think the the wealthy people that are people on Twitter that just put shit in their bio, they're just dab. Like a, a a man who is clearly a man who has no fucking gender dysphoria, whatever the fuck, and still has he him in his fucking pro- profile. Who's that for? Mm-hmm. What what is that exactly? What what's your intent or motivation with that? Yeah. What's your intent or motivation with putting? a fucking yellow flower or a Ukrainian flag. And you're like, what is that? What, what are you accomplishing exactly except for making you feel better? Mm-hmm. And isn't that kind of pathetic? You know what I mean? But anyways, <clears throat> people dabble. They put Ukrainian flags in their bio. Uh, there are people who back the actions up, donating to charity or showing up to protests or activism in the, in the voting uh, arena, whatever that happens to be. <clears throat> then there are people who riot, people who say crazy things, uh, and of course, there's the profiteers like Abraham X. Kennedy and people like that. To me, it seems like you get sucked further into the madness. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, more, the more time goes on, maybe. And I think it happens to a lot of people without them really understanding how they got. Like you, yes. it, it's like uh, mission creep. Like you fuck, all of a sudden wake up and you're like, wait, what? The, who, who are these people that I'm surrounded by now? Yeah. I wonder, for your, from your perspective, it sounds like you kind of just dug your way out. But how does the broader culture in America reach down and give these people a hand out of this shit? Or is that uh, impossible? <laughs> I, that's why I think things have to get really dark because on an individual level, almost every person I've talked to who's left social justice or any other kind of cult, they had to have a, like a personal breakdown mm. of sorts because... So it's like an addict. Like you can't yes. be helped until you're fucking And so bottom. the country has to do that because I had to get to a place where... Again, talking about how hard it is to leave, people built their whole identity on this belief system. And it's like, uh, th- there's this guy named uh, George Lakoff. He wrote a book called Don't Think of an Elephant. And it, it was, I read this when I was a leftist. He wrote it for leftists to try and explain why conservatives can disregard facts that don't fit their house of belief, right? Mm-hmm. And he, his one blind spot was that it applies to the left too. Like, and, and especially now it applies to the left. And so if... If they've built their whole, if you think of a belief system like a house, you've built your whole house of belief. Mm. Somebody gives you a fact that doesn't fit your architecture, you're just going to get rid of it. And what has to happen is your whole belief system has to be raised to the ground. 
Mm. And that's hard for people because it's like they feel like they're losing everything. Right. And and the people I know who've left, a lot of times it's coincided with with some other um, uh, breakdown in their life. I mean, I was going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, I was being confronted with all this stuff I didn't know was happening. We reached an acceleration point in history and things looked really dark. I saw people in my social justice echo chamber who were celebrating that sniper in mm. Dallas who killed the cops at the Black mm. Lives Matter rally, celebrating that. Yeah. That was a wake-up call for me. Mm. I saw things I didn't, I didn't know that I was a part of that. And so it, it's a long process to break down your whole belief system. It didn't happen overnight. Yeah. And, and so I think, yeah, on a large scale, what, is, what has to happen culturally? We have to break down, unfortunately. I know a lot of people who are like estranged from family members mm-hmm. and have lost friends over the last, particularly since 2016, right? Since like yeah. August of 2016, when Trump became serious, um, uh, how do, how do you get that back if you can? Right? It's it again. It's like a cult, uh, and and people contact me a lot because of the show I do about how do I reach my daughter, my mm. brother, my even spouses who are separating over ideology. And there's no, there's no book list I can give you. There's nothing. You can't reach people who are in a cult with facts. You, right. you need to have the facts on your side. But if you're going to reach them, it has to be through the heart. I know mm. that sounds so cheesy, but it's the truth. It's the emotion. The thing that started to wake me up was, like I said, going in that rabbit hole of YouTube videos of, of people being, Trump voters being assaulted. And I, it left me in tears. Yeah. I, I didn't know anything that was happening. And that emotional confrontation with what was going on is sort of that first crack I had in my foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this because I've sometimes asked people, give me your advice because people are always asking me for advice. I talked to this one young guy, younger, much younger than me. He went through woke. He got into it at college. He became estranged from his dad. He called his dad white supremacist, all kinds of things. This was for years. And he said, my dad never stopped loving me. Mm. Like, I'm sorry, it's maybe emotional, <laughs> but he said he never stopped loving me. He, he, would con- he would argue with me and tell me why he thought I was wrong, but, um, but he never cut me off, even though I cut him off. Right. And he said, when I finally did have that crack in my foundation, my beliefs later, I remembered, I could see how he had stayed open to me that whole time, yeah. and he went back and mended that relationship. Yeah, that's and, good. Yeah. I mean, it means dad didn't, dad's identity wasn't his belief system. Yes. Right. His, yeah. his identity was I'm dad. Yeah. Which again, it comes back to what you value as a human being. Yeah. And I think like in sports, you stop hitting jump shots or you, you keep swinging and missing. You go back to fundamentals. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You shoot free throws or hit off the tee. Typically that's how an athlete I don't know what any of that it. means, but I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> this is <a> sports reference. <laughs> I, I can't think of any non-sports references that okay. would make sense. There. But yeah, you go whenever your whenever your uh, performance sucks. It's a really good idea to go back to fundamentals. That's why Peterson always says, identify one thing about yourself that you're doing wrong, and then figure out a way you can do it better yes. or right. You know, I mean, that's a really important step for people. <clears throat> and in sociology, in my opinion, and, and that's, that's a behavioral thing, but just in the way that your identity works and how you feel about who you are as a person, going back to fundamentals is a really good idea for people. What is it that I actually value? And do the things I believe and the things I'm doing reflect my values? I, that, that seems like a pretty easy, like you can certainly delude yourself in that process quite a bit, 
But, man, it, it seems like a better option than just assuming you're correct yes. and doubling down on that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's fucking stupid. Like, who am I and what do I believe? That happened mm. to me. I went way down to the... The first thing I knew, because I was like, I don't even know who I am anymore or mm. what I believe about anything. I was like, well, I like dogs. And that's my first thing. <laughs> I was mm. like, hey, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And then and my my whole identity when you're in a the, the social justice cult anyway... Your whole identity, they've convinced you, you've convinced yourself. It's all wrapped up in your, oh, your race and your sex and sexuality and all that stuff. That's bullshit. Well, they, None of that is, means anything. If you can convince someone that there is an ex- existential threat, they will do anything, like crazy shit, to stop it from happening. Like climate alarmism or if you make everything about race or, or sexuality or whatever the fuck, right? If you convince them that there's some kind of existential threat to the things that they value, the democracy, not that we are one, right? We're a fucking republic, but let's just say that that was accurate. People value the comforts they have in life, and they think that if Republicans get involved or conservatives or whomever, right, even liberals from the conservative side, if they get involved too much in government, then we're going to lose everything. Well, that's not really true, right? Like None of that stuff's true, but you can pretty easily convince people that it is because they need a boogeyman. Uh, one of the things I, I guess you're doing to combat some of this horse shit is the uh, civility dinners. So tell me about that. Yeah, I haven't had one in a while, actually, but I'll, I want to start doing them again here in Austin. So I'll let you guys know. Yeah. Um, I'll come. I mean, awesome. I'm, I'm not the most. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we <laughs> civility dinners. I started those right after I moved to here in 2016 because I, again, I was I was at the very beginning of trying to. Uh, reevaluate everything I believe, figure out what I actually did believe about things. I was, I was examining my old belief system and, and I wanted to talk to people who disagree with me. Also, I was, I was one of those people who cried the night Trump won. I, I didn't know he was going to win. And I still believed, even though I had started questioning things, I still believed he was some demagogue and, mm. and I wanted to understand why he won. At the beginning, I was like, we have to understand why we want, he won so we can keep him from winning next time. Yeah. The postmortem. And yeah. And, but all the people in my cult were like, no, he just won because of racism and sexism. That's all you need to know. They didn't like me asking questions. Yeah. So I wanted to meet some conservatives. And um, actually, I went to a Mike Cernovich meetup here in Austin so I could meet conservatives. I actually met some liberals there. I'm like, wait, I'm not the only one who's here. Like, and, uh, but I did meet some conservatives, and I started having these dinners. And the people who come, there's like Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liberals, atheists, Christians. Like, mm. But... It self-selects for people who want to talk to people who disagree with them. Yeah. So none of the ideologues <clears throat> are coming. There's no social justice people who come. They don't right. want to be there. But you do get to talk with interesting people. A lot of times over the course of doing these, I found that the people who would come uh, were kind of didn't fit in the box of, of whatever their beliefs were anyway. Like I, I remember one dinner we were talking about the Colin Kaepernick taking a knee and I was the, I'm a liberal, but I was there arguing against his grandstanding knee taking and the conservative there was arguing on behalf of it. And I was like, this is so interesting. Well, but the, the, like, You know, the weird thing about that is both of you are right. Like yeah. He, he is, he does have the right to do that. Mm-hmm. And you can call it disrespectful to troops or whatever the fuck, but that's the point of fighting. So that people can do stupid shit like that. I mean, it sucks to admit that, but it also you have to take his intent into into uh, <clears throat> into account. There, he's clearly a self 
righteous asshole. You know what I mean? You can tell from, from all of his other behavior, the way he's conducted himself. One of the things I like to say, and it's something I say about Ukraine and Russia a lot, is that it's perfectly reasonable to not take sides in a fight between two assholes, right? Uh, and in this case, I think it's perfectly reasonable to accept that both people had good motivations for the thing they're doing, and we can talk about execution if you want. But there's no reason to fucking paint them as right or wrong or good or bad or any of that bullshit. Like, that doesn't contribute anything to the conversation. That All that does is make people entrench further into their position, and we make no progress towards whatever the actual solution is. It doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, Bogosian does good work on this, too. Oh, yeah. Peter uh, how to have uh, difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. That's a James really... James Lindsay. Yeah. Very good. Those guys. I mean... Lindsay can have difficult conversations because he's a dick and doesn't care about the outcome necessarily, like if people get offended. But Bogosian, uh, and I think that's a good part. That's a good thing because he gets people to say stuff out loud that they might not have if they hadn't been a little upset, mm-hmm. right? Which is a good thing for not just, not to expose them or anything, but for them to have said it out loud and be able to reflect on what they just said. Yeah. I think that's an important thing. Being being a fucking antagonist is important sometimes. Bogosian is just like the fucking most linear thinking person I've ever met. He, it's, it's something is either right or wrong for him. And that's a, that's a, I think that's good because <clears throat> he's not intellectually lazy, so he'll follow the entire idea chain. He'll be like, all right, this makes sense, this doesn't make sense, this doesn't make sense. And when he gets to the end and doesn't understand it, he'll be like, I don't understand it. There's no reason for me to opine on this because I don't know what I'm talking about. That's I don't, it. I don't know good. as much about him. Uh, I just saw... James Lindsay at, at the Better Discourse Conference. Yeah, he's a Fort troll. Worth. I love I love watching and, a troll. Yeah, and that's another organization that's doing a lot of great work mm. around having conversations. Myth Informed. Yeah, they've done the last two. They're based in Milwaukee, but they've done the last two conferences here in Texas. Well, they're moving. So Bogosian and those guys are opening up, and Barry Weiss and a couple other people are opening up the University of Austin, mm-hmm. which isn't a real, I guess, a university. It's just like an anti woke academic establishment it's in the metaverse yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe um so uh i think you i wanted to touch on something you just said about because there's a i mean I, I i assume that the vast majority of this audience feels kind of the same like they're a uh like a person without a country or a person without a political home uh, I don't think it's because uh, they've changed. I think it's because we've redefined the political parties and nobody's willing to acknowledge it. People still refer to Republicans as conservatives. Yep. Where's the evidence of that? Right? There is a definition of conservatism and a definition of liberalism. And to whom does it apply in our pet- political spectrum right now? I don't think it does. I don't think those are the two things that we're using as a measurement system anymore. I agree. It's dead, yeah. but they're, they're, uh, it, it's a good way to drive division though. So mm-hmm. all the political elite, the media, they still talk about this whole right left <clears throat> division. And, um, I still, I know people who still believe in it. Like they believe that that matters if you're conservative or liberal, it doesn't, I don't even know. Like you said, I have to ask people to even define what those words mean because yeah. I don't know what you mean when you say liberal and until you tell me, um, and same thing for conservative. It, it, right now, I think the most important division, and this is what they're trying to obfuscate by, mm. by focusing on right-left, is are you an authoritarian or are you an individualist? Mm. Do you believe that 
the government has the right uh, to control individuals and to even tell you that you can't go to work and you can't leave your house and you have to shut your business down? Does the government have the right to do that? Right. Do they have the right to force <laughs> you to take an injection? Or do you believe that individuals have the right to control their own life and to pursue life, liberty, and happiness? And that, that division is not right-left. I know people, when the lockdowns first started and the mass mandates here in Texas, in my little town, in Georgetown, they would have every weekend there was an anti-mask protest. And you know who was running that protest? It was a lot of progressive lefty hippies. Mm. But they were actual lefties. They were actual anti-authoritarians. And then I had some conservative family members, a little more authoritarian, some of them in South Carolina, who supported the mask mandates and the, and the lockdowns. And I was like, okay, this is clearly an authoritarian, libertarian split on this issue. And then what happened? The media came in. And tried to make it right left, and then everyone follows their tribe. Not everyone, mm. but the, the masses. Well, I mean, it's people either follow the tribe or they stand still, and effectively, that's the same. Because when yeah. it comes time to vote, if they haven't moved in one direction or another, they're just going to vote the way they always have. Typically, like people don't switch parties much. But there's about eighteen percent of the country that varies from year to year, mm-hmm. give or take. Yeah, it's interesting to talk about that about how the the battle lines are drawn for lack of a better phrase, I would consider people who <clears throat> are actually conservative or liberal to be playing uh, a football game right now or uh, whatever, or they're trying to play a football game. And uh, these woke idiot leftists and these fucking uh, 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 crony capitalists are naked fans running across the field and interrupting <laughs> the fucking game. That's how I feel about that. Like, they are not playing the same game <laughs> yeah. everybody else is. They're just trying to profiteer off division. That's all they're doing. Well, and they're, they're, uh, they're on the same naked team right now, too. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's controlled opposition yeah. from, from one election to another with a couple of outstanding voices. I mean, notice how AOC is so crazy on social media, but when it comes time to vote, she's in lockstep with the DNC every single time. Every single fucking time. It's, it's very bizarre. Why do you think that is? <sighs> because she wants to maintain her relevance. If she goes hard against the DNC, she doesn't get the $16 million in, in contributions that it takes to win her fucking district. That's why. It's all about uh, propagating your own authority and power. So what part of that is a farce or is it all a farce? Like, is she, su- is she the radical she pr- is on social media or is she that person who votes in lots I mean, I like, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Chances are she believes what she's saying <laughs> and um, has also convinced herself that you have to play the game to make any, and that's, that is the corrupting part of American politics, right? There's a lot of people that get involved in politics with good intentions, but the ones who retire after one session, those are the ones I actually trust. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I don't trust Tulsi Gabbard completely because she does some weird she has some weird anti gun beliefs and stuff like that. Um, but as far as her take on individualism and uh I not not isolationism but like non interventionalism, those are two different things, right? Like we, we it doesn't have to be a straight up Monroe doctrine, although I will point out for the audience that even during the Monroe period we were still the North American hegemon. We controlled the uh, Caribbean and we controlled fucking uh, Mexico and, and most of Central America as well. But um, <clears throat> there's a, there's a difference between America first and America only. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be America first because of the fucking same again in the Bible, but it was, it predates the Bible by like 4,000 years. Take care of your own shit before you start going and tell other people what to do. 
frankly, right? I think that, that was in Genesis. Yeah, it says it exactly like that, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's something about a log in your eye oh, and yeah. a splinter in your brother's eye, but um, our neighbor. <clears throat> but that's a pretty, that's an old one. That's been in every major religious text uh, forever, right? It's just because it's common sense. You can't fucking help somebody if you've got a cast on your foot. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just doesn't work that way. Um, so get your shit right first. Like instead of sending $2 billion over the last three months to Ukraine, maybe we should fix our border or feed people something, right? Instead of bitching at Elon Musk, we're buying Twitter because he's a private citizen using his own goddamn money. I hear what you're saying. <sighs> the, uh, uh, that verse, remove the speck from your, or remove the log from your own eye before you worry about the speck in your neighbor's mm. eye. I hadn't thought of it in that way before about uh, interventionist policy versus taking care of your country, but that's a, you're right. You're absolutely right. That's a great way of thinking of it. I mean, yeah, I guess. It's, I, there's nuance there too, right? There, maybe we do need to do some stuff abroad um, to prevent it from coming here, right? Like you, you want to create standoff. In a in a military environment for sure, but do we need to have forty fucking military bases in Europe? Probably not. Mm. Doesn't seem like a great idea to me, to be honest. It does. It definitely doesn't seem like a great use of our money. Um, but America first, fine with that. America only, not fine with that because that's not who we are, right? Uh, and again, it comes back to what we value. Right now, I don't know what the fuck we value. Like, I don't, if, if somebody told me to make a list of modern American values, I'm not sure I could. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that list would even start. Um, because I don't think we have shared values anymore. Yeah. And I think the thing that holds a group of people together is shared values. It's either shared values or shared hatred of something. And if we're going to be the latter, then I'm not interested in participating in that. Yeah. Do you think humans are... Do you think humans need something to worship in order to have the values lined up correctly? I mean, because you, you don't believe in a deity, but do you think that most humans need something to worship? <clears throat> um, to worship? I'm not sure I like that, right? Because there's an element of bowing and scraping that I'm not really comfortable with. And I think it's kind of anti-individualist to think that there should be something over you, right? But when you choose to contribute to the greater good, yes, you need that. And I think removing the belief system structure from around it and just doing it because it's the right thing to do is important. Not because of the benefit, not because of the punishment if you don't. That's what I think. I think people need to divorce themselves from the outcome and do things because they're the right thing to do. That's that's my, but I, I understand most people don't think that way. So maybe you're right. I don't know. I can't. It's hard to speak for other people. I, I've recently I've been shocked. I've encountered people who don't believe that there's a right or wrong or mm-hmm. good or evil. And I don't even. I'm not even talking about the postmodernist wokies. I'm talking about people who say they're for individualism and liberty and mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm like. I, this is why this question I've started thinking about a lot because I almost I now I think of God as sort of a if you don't have something maybe worship isn't the right word if you don't have something bigger than yourself where you that's like this is where my morals are coming from this is mm. where the principles are coming from if it's just you then can't you just 
change the cages there's no there's no breaking there's no breaking mechanism on the car of self-interest so if you're like well i worship reason okay well then you can rationalize anything right it's like well this is for the greater good this is for good i'm gonna do this bad thing but it's because of this reason down the road and and so now i've started to ask people that question i'm just curious because i i'm starting to wonder is that a human thing that we're built to to need something bigger than us from that that's where we get our morals right i i just think it's the easy thing to do would be to create some existence above ours right that's the easy thing to do mm-hmm. finding purpose without uh uh you know those levels of existence like in buddhism for example where you reincarnate based on how you behaved in your current life mm-hmm. and all that stuff i mean that's just like a cast afterlife frankly. And I'm not, I, I think we took what we knew about the world, which was that some people are rich and powerful and some people are poor and feeble. And we transliterated that, uh, to, it, there has to be gods, right? There has to be somebody above us. Why would we not be the number one thing? And, but that doesn't, that's, that comes from the presumption that we're the number one thing. Who gives a shit about that? Mm. Like that doesn't matter. Um, I like Sam Harris's The Moral Landscape is a good book. Oh, I haven't read that. Uh, you should check it out. It's, it's kind of the scientific case for good and evil. You can reduce oh, it. okay. You can reduce it to the most good you can do is to promote conscious joy because consciousness is how everything experiences the world. And the worst you can do is to promote conscious suffering, right? So if you want to be a good person, you should be simultaneously trying to minimize conscious suffering and maximize conscious joy. Now, there's also a lot of gray area. Even though it's a scientific analysis, there's still a lot of gray area. Technically, if you wanted to minimize conscious suffering, you could just kill everybody that's suffering, right? Technically, that would, from a median standpoint, that would raise the rate quite a bit. But obviously, we know from, for some reason, we know that that's not right to do that. I don't know why we know that. Honestly, I have no idea why. I don't, I don't think it's something... <clears throat> it's been very rare that a culture popped up that that was okay to just... Kill. And we, we remember them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like fatalistic. The Nazis, for example, killing people that are retarded or uh, uh, have physical deformities or some mm-hmm. shit just because, well, we don't want that in the gene pool. We've seen that kind of shit before. And everybody... Pretty much everybody considers that to be evil, but why, right? Mm. You know what I mean? From, from that perspective, I mean, we know it intrinsically is what I'm saying. And I, don't, I can't figure out why, but I'm not sure it matters. But that's what I base everything on. You know what I mean? Am I, yeah. am I helping or hurting this situation? Yeah. And sometimes the answer might be both, but the process of reflecting on what you're doing is important, right? To understand what you're doing. Maybe not for that time, but for the next time. And for the example you're setting for other people. There are some people, uh, we, in current society we say they have personality disorders. Mm-hmm. We used to say they have character disorders. And probably in biblical times we'd say they had demons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who, uh, <clears throat> what gives them conscious joy is hurting people. Sure, yeah. And well, that's the, that comes back to like English common law, right? You have your right to swing your fist ends at my face. Mm-hmm. So you can do whatever you want, provided you're not injuring someone else financially or physically, typically, is, is how that would go, right? 
like we American law is just English common law with some additions, and then the tax code, which is ridiculous, but that's a whole other thing. Um, Sorry, yeah. I got you on a tangent. No, we're this show is all about tangents, um, but we got to get going here. So tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your work. Oh yeah, so I have a new channel. It's called Deprogram with Carrie Smith. You can find me on YouTube, uh, anywhere that you find podcasts. I have a locals, all the things. I'm trying to to figure out how to do locals. Uh, <laughs> Substack, locals, everything. Yeah, right? Substack. Yeah, and thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it was a great conversation. We appreciate you coming by. Uh, you dummies, go check out her uh, channels. And um, until next time, we'll see you in hell. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.